0: Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories, with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day.
1: For Michael J. Fox, life hasn't been easy. Hello? Hi going through changes. His voice is changing.
2: Give me a keg of beer.
1: I mean, is there anything wrong with me? He's got hair on his chest. He's stopped being a boy. What do you think about to get worked up? At last, he's become... Scott? Scott Howard? This is your father speaking. Now open this door right this minute.
2: A wolf. An explanation is probably long overdue.
3: Dad, an explanation, look at me. Look at you.
1: <laughs> He's always wanted to be something special, but he never expected this. Then everybody be Teen Wolf. He's got style. There's something different about you. Did you change your hair? He's got class. Wolf, wolf, wolf. wolf, wolf. wolf. He's got hair all over his body. Wolves aren't supposed to be shy. He's a wolf in teen's clothing. Big and tonight big is his night to howl. Teen Wolf, a new comedy with Michael J. Fox, star
0: of Back to the Future. <laughs> It's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're gonna cover the movie Teen Wolf from 1985. The studio was Atlantic Entertainment Group. Now you might know them because they were the group that actually funded Valley Girl. The release date was August 23rd, 1985. The running time was 92 minutes with the rating of PG. Budget was very small with 1.2 million, but the box office was a bit of a hit. 33 million making it the 26th-ranked movie of 1985. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 44% rotten from 32 reviews. The critics' consensus is, though Michael J. Fox is as charismatic as ever, Teen Wolf's coming-of-age themes can't help but feel a little stale and formulaic. Roger Ebert didn't do a review for Teen Wolf, but Vincent Canby from the New York Times did, and here's his review. Teen Wolf is a high school comedy about a young man, a sweet-natured, non-entity, who gains small-town celebrity and power when he discovers that he's a werewolf. For Scott Howard, Michael J. Fox, being a werewolf doesn't mean bang at the moon and chewing on the necks of former friends. It means that when he wills it, he can turn into a werewolf who's a star basketball player and much in demand as a prom escort. The uplifting point of all this comes when Scott must decide whether or not he's willing simply to be his non-entity self, and thus forfeit the fame that comes with his other, hairier identity. For a film that's so innocuous, Teen Wolf is aggressively boring. It doesn't even know much about high school life, since the members of the basketball team that Scott's team must play for the big championship attend his high school. Is there such a thing as an intramural all-state championship? I don't think this is actually true. I'm not sure Vincent Canby actually uh, paid attention to the film, but we'll get into that later. Anyway, continuing uh, his review, the film is overacted by everyone except Mr. Fox, who is seen to far better advantage in Back to the Future. The special effects aren't super, but the movie isn't important enough to damage the classic werewolf myth. No silver bullet is needed to dispatch this movie. It dies a natural death as one looks on. And that's the end of his review. So yeah, Canby hated the film, but I adored it as a kid. Michael J. Fox was by far my favorite actor when I was growing up, and when I first saw Back to the Future, anything that Fox was in, I was enamored with. I'd never miss an episode of Family Ties, and then when Teen Wolf was released the same year, it was a dream come true for a super fan like myself. I even loved the NBC TV movie he was in with Nancy McKeon, who is, of course, Joe from Facts of Life. And it was called Poison Ivy, where they play uh, summer camp counselors. So while Teen Wolf is nowhere near the cinematic masterpiece that I think Back to the Future is, it isn't a dud that many of the critics labeled it as, you know, as well. I still find great enjoyment out of watching the original Teen Wolf. uh, But the sequel with Jason Bateman, however, uh, deserves all the vitriol that it gets. Let's get into the main cast. You get Michael J. Fox, who plays Scott Howard. Pretty much covered his history already with the release of uh, Up to Teen Wolf. Uh, He started acting in the late 70s, appearing in a number of uh, TV shows. Uh, The big series that, again, that really propelled his career was Family Ties when he played Alex P. Keaton. He did appear in a few movies prior to Family Ties. Midnight Madness, which was a Disney film. Class of 1984, which is very underrated and very sick. (laughs) It's a slasher film from 1982, which I do own and eventually we will cover. James Hampton plays Harold Howard, and this was definitely the first movie that I saw Hampton in, though he had been acting since the early 1960s. I'd say the other notable role I remember him in was the original Longest Yard from 1974 with Burt Reynolds, and he plays the caretaker. He was also in The China Syndrome from 1979, which had Jane Fonda, Jack Lemmon, and Michael Douglas, and he mostly remained a consistent character actor throughout his career, appearing mostly on TV shows. Susan Her City plays Boof, and this would definitely be her city's best known role, though she did appear in the Scott Bayo comedy Zapped in 1982, that was her movie debut. Boof is a great character because she never changes herself to get the guy, which is kind of unique for teen movies of this era. Uh, she was a very easy character to like, especially compared to the Pamela character. And Susan Her City was actually working on Charles in charge and was a perfect fit for this role. She just had that incredibly cute, you know, a girl next door kind of charm. And her original script name was actually Lisa Marconi and is based on the screenwriter Joseph Loeb's college girlfriend. So, what happened is when Loeb was in college, uh, he asked the girl to lunch one day and she misheard him, thinking that he called her Boof. And that became uh, their nickname for one another. And thus, he used it in Teen Wolf. Jerry Levine plays Styles, and Levine's character started on the TV sitcom Charles in Charge before landing a role as Styles in Teen Wolf. He'd actually go on to appear in movies like the original Iron Eagle, uh, K-9 with Jim Belushi, Born on the Fourth of July with Tom Cruise, and then he got into TV directing in the 2000s, and he continues to direct TV shows today. Levine was working on Charles in Charge uh, and really nailed the audition for, for styles and he just fit that character uh the producers though thought initially that he might be too old since he was 26 at the time but he convinced the producers that the best actor should get the role regardless of age and he again he was perfect as styles and honestly i never really thought styles looked that old in the role now looking back well yeah he is but who cares David Spade actually auditioned for the role of Styles, but he was almost too shy at the time, and he didn't get a callback, but he does have that kind of snarky personality that I think uh, later David Spade would have been perfect for, and Styles' real name is supposed to be Rupert Stalinsky. The director was Rod Daniel, and D- Teen Wolf was Daniel's first movie that he directed, but he was a veteran in television. He directed many episodes of WKRP in Cincinnati and a few I- episodes of the revised New Heart series. He would actually go on to direct a few more movies before going back to TV for good, and those movies were Like Father, Like Son with Kirk Cameron and Debbie Moore, Canine, The Super with Joe Pesci, and Beethoven Second. All right, let's get into the making of the film. So the writers, Joseph Loeb and Matthew Weissman, were looking to make a film. And Atlantic Studios were coming off the success of Valley Girl, like I said before. And they were looking to make a film for less than a million bucks. And so Loeb and Weissman had 10 movie pitches. They were all different, though. Of the 10, the only one that Atlantic was interested in was, of course, Teen Wolf, which actually shocked Weissman. Atlantic felt they had a formula in the sense that if they make a film for a million bucks or less, there will all be hits, like Valley Girl. So Loeb and Weissman were paid $4,000 to write the script in three weeks. And then they just—they found out they worked really well together. And Loeb was the idea and editing guy, while Weissman was the actual dialogue writer. And I don't think the, teen, the script of Teen Wolf gets enough credit. The dialogue and the characters are great, and, and in my opinion, they still hold up very well. So instead of making the character a monster like typical creature films, he actually turns into a celebrity. It's almost like a superhero movie of sorts. Atlantic said they would make the film if they could get Michael J. Fox, who, again, was very popular from his role on Family Ties. So Michael J. Fox's agent said he'd do the film only when Family Ties wasn't shooting, and they would have to work around his schedule to get the film made with him. To further complicate matters, uh, Meredith Baxter-Burney from Family Ties was about to go on pregnancy leave, which meant that Teen Wolf could only film during that break period, and that was it, and so they had a super tight schedule to shoot with Michael J. Fox. Director-wise, the writers loved Rod Daniel, but even though he had no experience making films, but he had won an Emmy directing WKRP, and he knew how to direct comedy and understood that the premise of Teen Wolf was actually a father and son story. Michael J. Fox loved working with Rod Daniel as well. So Fox wanted to do the film, but one of his agents wasn't sure that his client should be in the film, called Teen Wolf, because he was an up-and-coming actor at the time, a young actor. So the producers were worried that Fox might not do the film, thus it would never get made. So Eric Stoltz was the backup plan, because that's totally ironic, because he was the main guy in Back to the Future until he was replaced by Michael J. Fox. So Michael J. Fox is what really makes this film work. He's perfect as Scott Howard, and everyone loved working with him from the actors to the directors to the producers. So in a stroke of luck, while Family Ties was doing pretty well with the ratings, it really took off when it moved to Thursday nights and aired right after the Cosby show. This is right around the same time as Teen Wolf. So this actually made Fox a superstar from increased ratings, and this all happened again while filming Teen Wolf. So the increase in his popularity was happening before the producer's eyes and they were saying it was surreal to see a superstar in the making because literally in three weeks of shooting he went from a semi-popular actor in the beginning to a superstar by the end. And it's sort of like what happened in the Scott Howard character in the film. So you got to keep in mind, Teen Wolf was actually shot before Back to the Future, but it was released after Back to the Future. And Fox even mentioned during the filming of Teen Wolf that he was going to replace Eric Stoltz on a cool film named Back to the Future. And this is after Eric Stoltz had shot for six weeks on that. So anyway, Fox would shoot Teen Wolf during the day, and then at night, he would shoot Back to the Future. And not to mention, there was even an episode where he had to film a TV movie for Family Ties. I mean, that is a crazy schedule. But it all worked out for him. Originally, Teen Wolf was going to come out before Back to the Future. But when it looked like Back to the Future was going to be a huge hit, they pushed Teen Wolf to August, which used, which used to be a tougher sell for movies because it was past that peak summer performance. But Fox was now a huge star and definitely helped the film take off. And it's better that Teen Wolf came out after Back to the Future because if it came out before, it actually, as they said, it might have harmed uh, Back to the Future. But when Teen Wolf did come out, he had Michael J. Fox had a number one and two movie at the same time at the box office. According to the cast, Michael J. Fox never had a big ego, and he was generous to all the extras and the actors alike. He took everything in stride, which is really cool to hear because I've always been a fan of him. And he doesn't get enough credit as a terrific comedic actor, in my opinion. It's not just the way he delivers his lines, but also his physical comedy, like in the movie when he's slipping through the halls. And again, what's great about this film is it's pre-internet. Today, if the kid became a wolf, the entire world would know within seconds, and there's a certain charm that it's really only the school and town that knows about Teen Wolf. Alright, let's get into the film. I wouldn't consider this movie scary in the slightest, but I will say that the intro of the film is probably the creepiest it gets with the score music and the echoed heartbeat sounds. So the film starts with an up-close shot of Scott, uh, on the free throw line getting ready to shoot his second free throw for his high school basketball team the beavers it's cool how the spotlight from the gym kind of acts as like a full moon of sorts before we see scott take his shot. <laughs> one thing that my dad always commented on in this film wasn't the quality of the film itself but the poor play from the basketball players for example like michael j fox doing a chump shot for his free throws (laughs) or how none of the players would go to their left or shoot layups with their left hands when on the left side of the rim yes once a sports fan always a sports fan but to be fair Michael J Fox is five foot four but then again Muggsy Bogues who used to play in the NBA was five foot three and he played 14 seasons in the NBA so the Beavers are terrible they're getting smoked by their opponents called the Dragons they are losing 51 to 11 So after a non-charging call on the Dragons, Scott just gets completely run over. Uh, The coach calls timeout. And one of the funniest characters in Teen Wolf is Coach Finstock, played by Jay Tarsus. Every time he speaks, it's hilarious. It's like after calling timeout, he says, shouldn't have gotten in his way, Scotty. (laughs) for the charge. He then goes up to the other coach during the timeout and asks to forfeit the game so they can beat the 5 o'clock traffic. So the Beavers end up losing 71-12. to I love that Coach Finstock is the antithesis of every inspiring coach that we normally see in films, especially 80s films. He seriously didn't care, which is hilarious, and he's the most quotable character of the film with the exception of Styles. Uh, Jay Tarsus really elevated the character of Coach Finstock. So as I mentioned, the other hilarious character is Scott's buddy, Styles. that's Jerry Levine. He wears a different funny shirt in every scene. Uh, this time at the game, it's life sucks, then you die. We then see, or hear, a glimpse of the wolf during the game. I got it here, over here. Push it up.
1: All right, set it up. It's not going too well, is it?
0: What do you
4: expect, Thorne? Look at the sneakers those guys are wearing. If our guys had sneakers like that, there's no telling what they could do. Jump in. That fat kid's got a great arm. Over here,
2: pass it. Forget it, George.
0: So after the game, Scott notices a long clump of hair on his chest while in the locker room. It looks like the mini growl causes hair growth, so there's no need for Rogaine, I guess. All the growls came from the director, Rod Daniel. Everyone loved working again with Daniel on the film, and part of his love and enthusiasm of the craft is what helped this film kind of become a cult classic of sorts, even though it did do pretty well in the box office at the time. All right, then Scott decides to have a chat with Coach Finstock, which leads to this hilarious scene.
4: Hey, Scotty, come on in. Great game out there today. You want a thigh or a wing or something?
3: You no, know, that's not necessary, coach. Listen, you know you know how you always said that if any of us guys have any problems, I mean, even personal ones, that we should come and see you? Hey, that's what I'm here for. Great, because, uh, I got a problem.
4: Oh, yeah? What kind of problem? As you can see, I'm a very busy man here.
3: Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's
4: kind of complicated. Oh, oh, those kind of problems, yeah. What is it? Drugs? Girls? Boy, I'd sure like to help you, but I'm really tapped out this month. The IRS is breathing down my neck like it's some kind of personal vendetta against Bobby Finstock. No, coach. How can I put this? I'm going through changes. Oh, that. Don't worry about that. We all go through that. Some a little bit later than others. I'm sorry I didn't notice, but I haven't
3: been hanging around the locker room all that much. No. You see... Coach, I I just don't think it's going to be possible for me to play on the team anymore. Oh, yeah. Well, look, uh, Scotty, I know what you're going through.
4: A couple years back, a kid came to me much the same way you're coming to me now, saying to me pretty much the same thing that you're saying. He wanted to drop off the team. His mother was uh, a widow, all crippled up. She was scrubbing floors. She had, uh, had this pin in her hip. So he wanted to drop basketball and get a job. Now these were poor people. These were these were hungry people with real problems. You understand what I'm saying? What happened to the kid? Oh know. he quit. It's a third stringer. I didn't need him. Yeah, Coach, I'm a first stringer. Yeah, and, and you already got a job working for your old man. Fact of the matter is, I should be coming to you when I need money.
3: Fine. Uh.
4: Thanks a lot, Coach. Hey, don't mention. it. Like I said before, me Casa Sukasa.
0: <laughs> Seriously, Coach Finstock is an underrated gem of a character in this film. He steals every scene he's in. So Chubby, played by Mark Holton, is another great side character that you almost forget, but we all have friends in a group like him. The guy's larger than life, no pun intended, and the writers love that Holton looks so much older than everyone else. It made it more funny. We go back to the movie, after meeting with the coach, Scott heads to work at his father's hardware store, and his friend Booth, played by Susan or City, walks with him. It's obvious Booth really likes Scott more than friends, but he's got his eyes on the prettiest girl in school named Pamela. But as hot as Pamela is, Booth is actually super cute and much cooler person, but that's all part of the plot. Pamela wants nothing to do with Scott, at least not yet, and she's also dating Mick, the asshole on the Dragons, the basketball team that he played against. Susan City actually suggested Laurie Griffin for the role of Pamela. Scott's father, James Hampton, he seems like a great guy and a good father. We find out later Scott's mom died, so it's just Scott and his dad. So the changes that Scott is going through involves being able to hear super high-pitched noises, like when a kid at the hardware store is blowing a dog whistle, <laughs> and only Scott can hear it. So because it's high school, the biggest agenda on the docket is scoring a keg of beer for the house party that night. Styles does his best, but the liquor store clerk won't budge. At this time, Styles' shirt says "obnoxious" on it. During this particular attempt,
3: well, the boss says, "I'm to pick up a keg of beer." All right. But well, the boss called you, right? Can't say he did. Oh, hot damn! The boss is throwing a big bash for one of the boys down at the gravel pit. <laughs> he just got paroled. <laughs> 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 Well, I got, uh, plenty of bread. (laughs) Here,
1: here's a little extra for you. Gotta see your ID. Sport.
3: Never
2: say
0: die. So, Styles has a plan for Scott to get a keg of beer by bringing in a squirt gun and then paying for it so it's not really stealing. <laughs> Scott isn't amused and tries to get the keg on his own, though he doesn't realize how effective he'll actually be.
3: Now, you just stick this in your pocket like this, all right? You go in there. You don't say anything except... Give me a keg, buddy, and you pay for it. That way, he can't say you robbed him. You know I do this myself, but that old guy in there already kicked me out. Give me the gun. Give me the money. money. Uh, I'm gonna try and buy it. That's no, it. No no, that's no, 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 Scott. Scott this guy is a ballbuster, and it won't work. That's tell- it. it won't work.
0: That's that's it. It.
4: Never say
1: <laughs> die. No,
5: no, 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 not that. Yeah. No, no. I, I think I'll leave it. No, no, no. Thanks a lot. Right. <coughs> Do
1: you have any more of that, melon <coughs> liqueur? My sister really liked that. that yes. Thank you.
5: Hey, Debbie. Are you yes. Listen, I'm
3: Hi. Hi. Uh, I'd like a keg of beer, please. You don't say. Yeah, uh, how much is that? the ID, sonny.
1: You little bastard just won't give up, will you? Listen, no ID, no goddamn beer. Can't you get that through your thick skull? Give me a keg of beer.
0: And these. <laughs> the and these <laughs> from the last scene was a pack of powdered donuts. And if you haven't seen the film, his eyes actually turn red when asking for the keg. So they score a keg of beer and then Styles decides to go surfing on the roof of Scott's van to the song "The Beach Boys Surfing in the USA," this is called urban surfing. So my buddies and I used to have fun in high school at our parties and definitely scored beer, but we did not car surf. There's a great story we have interviewing one of our one of our guests. And we'll get into that. Uh, my my first car was a Dodge minivan, which could have been crowd surfing or urban surfing, but the uh, the problem with that it had a stick shift, so I don't think. It would have worked well. Anyway, good time. The writers were a bit worried, though, at the time because of this movies that kids might try to emulate the urban surfing. And I think today it would have been, uh, if it it would have never been shot, because too many idiot kids would try to post it on social media, kind of jackass style. All right, this party for Teen Wolf, uh, is your typical crazy 80s house party. And while these parties do seem contrived, I definitely remember going to parties like this in high school. We didn't play the crazy games like rolling around in whipped cream in our underwear, though. Maybe we did. I don't know. (laughs) I I don't remember. It was a fun time. It's funny, after getting all the trouble to get that keg of beer, the party already had about 20 of them (laughs) by the time that Styles gets there. So, Boof finally gets her chance to get Scott alone when they're picked to go in the closet for two minutes. In reality, Pamela actually had Scott's name, and Boof decided to lie and pick Scott. They start to make out for a bit, but then he gets a little bit worked up and starts to inadvertently scratch Boof, and he ends up clawing her blouse. Not to be forgotten, Styles is the master of the ceremony and definitely the life of the party. Scott's obviously not feeling like himself So he barely makes it home and runs up to the bathroom And this is where we finally get to see him Change into a werewolf As it turns out, it's a full moon that night The special effects are actually really good With the transformation And with Michael J. Fox's face It's like bubbling and whatnot. And the great reveal is when Scott's dad Howard wants to see him And then we see Howard also in the full Wolf transformation as well This scene actually got a huge laugh When it was in theaters according to the writers
1: Scott? Can I come in? Ah, uh, no, Dad.
3: Ah, uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm doing something in here.
2: I'll say. You may be surprised. Whatever it is, son, you can tell me. I'll understand. Oh, 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 oh no, Dad. Ah, oh, no, not this time.
1: Scott Howard? This is your father speaking. Now, open this door right this minute. Okay, Dad. You asked for it.
2: An explanation is probably long overdue.
3: An explanation, Jesus Christ, dad. An explanation, look at me. Look at you.
1: It's not as
2: bad as it looked.
3: Wait a minute, wait a minute, Dad. I mean, you knew about this? You knew about this and you didn't tell me?
2: I was hoping I wouldn't have to. Sometimes it skips a generation. I was hoping it would pass you by.
3: Well, Dad, it didn't pass me by. It landed on my face. What the hell am I going to do?
0: I think the makeup is really underrated in the film for the wolf. Uh, Considering the low budget and that it's a comedy, the wolf makeup is every bit as good as a serious horror flick. A foam latex was used for the face portion and then you needed to paint over it to give it a certain texture. Lots of effort went into this. So while CGI is easier for the filmmakers, there's not a warmth to it. And this is why pre-CGI films have a certain warmth and uniqueness to them, unlike today. You had true artists really creating these effects by hand. Now it's all click of a mouse and it's not the same. And for me, it's a shame. The makeup coordinator was Jeff Dawn. And he was actually working on To Live and Die in Los Angeles and had to come out and shoot a full day of transformation scenes for Teen Wolf, and which was brutal for him. It was an incredibly involved process for what turns out to be a scene that's only two minutes long, but it takes all day to shoot. And so Don was also the main makeup guy for the original Terminator from 1984. So back to the movie. And The next morning, Howard tries to talk with Scott about what happened. He tells Scott he'll have powers that will be far greater than he can imagine. But Scott is still incredulous and doesn't understand what sort of powers his dad is talking about since he's just a typical teenager. Howard tries to reassure him, but to no avail at this point. Scott goes to school, but he's super paranoid about turning into the wolf, as you can imagine. And every little thing makes him dwell on being a werewolf. Styles is now wearing a shirt in class that says, what are you looking at, dick nose? <laughs> so Scott is up at the chalkboard. He's riding on the chalkboard and he, and he has to run to the bathroom to prevent himself from changing. And then the vice principal enters when he's about to change. However, Scott dodges a bullet, no pun intended, and he doesn't change. And the vice principal is Mr. Thorne, who seems to have it out for Scott, but we'll find out later why that is. Not knowing what to do, Scott decides to out himself to Styles.
3: Hey, what are you doing? Hey, big brother always keeps a stash out here for emergencies. Listen. Listen, Styles, uh, I, I got to talk to you about something because it's making me nuts. Yeah, well, I hear you. But if it's that intense, I'll need a solid buzz to think clearly. Well, look, I I, I, I wouldn't even. Uh, I wouldn't even mention it to you except that I, uh, I got to talk to someone. Wait a minute. Are you going to tell me you're a fag? I mean, if you're going to tell me you're a fag, I don't think I can handle it. I'm not a fag. I'm a werewolf. Where would that scumbag keep it? Scott. Scotty? Stiles, it's me. What do you think? Can you do that anytime you want? Uh, Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I just did. But see, sometimes it it, it happens when I don't want it to. What can I say?
4: You're beautiful.
3: (sighs) Hey, uh. What can a teen wolf do? I can smell what you're looking for. The stash? Well, no, I checked there. Styles. Styles. This is just between you and me, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. TW. At you. TW, you're gonna be glad that you came to me with this. Yes, because with the right angles, man, we're gonna turn this into something
0: monstrous. In the meantime, Boof really cares about Scott, and we get a bit of the backstory behind their lifelong friendship.
1: Shoot it, shoot it! No. Booth came over for a little one-on-one. She's killing me.
3: <laughs> what? What's so funny? Nothing. We were just chatting. Do you mind? No. No. Hey, why should I mind? Well, I gotta get going. Would you like to walk me home? Uh, Boof, I just got here. Scott? Yeah.
1: Thanks, Harold. Thanks for the game. Thanks for everything. You better work on that jump shot.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming? Yeah. Ha! Get it. So you guys were chatting. Harold Howard and his famous chats. Uh, what did he say? He just mentioned that you were thinking of quitting basketball to work on the school play. Yeah. I can see why. She's very pretty, Scott. But she has a boyfriend. A very large
5: boyfriend.
3: Look, it doesn't matter anyway, because the way things are going now, it'd be better if I just stayed away from everyone. Even me? I couldn't get rid of you if I tried. What?
2: Do you remember?
3: How old were we, six? We're five. I I wanted to run away from home, but you wouldn't let me go alone. I was afraid you'd get lost. Yeah, but I didn't get lost. We just kept walking around the block because our parents Parents wouldn't wouldn't let us cross cross the street. God, I thought they were going to kill us when we got home. I know, but then when we did, nobody even knew we were gone. (sighs) Did you ever tell anybody? Nope. Me neither. Scott, if you ever need someone to talk to, if something's bothering you, I'll understand. Not this time, Booth. You won't understand. I've got to go. Yeah. Mine.
0: So, by the way, the little basketball scene in the backyard with Boof and Howard was actually James Hampton's idea to add a bit more to the scene. Originally, it was written to just be at the kitchen table, and then Scott walks in. It totally works better with them shooting hoops, almost like a father and daughter. Boof is perfect for Scott, but he's too blind to see it. Eh, to be an idiot teenager, you know. The next day, Scott is playing in another basketball game, and things don't go as planned. After getting caught in a scramble in a dog pile, again, no pun intended, for the ball, Scott turns into the wolf. And then magically, he becomes Michael Jordan after turning into the wolf. And who knew werewolves were such great athletes? He can basically dribble like one of the guys from the Harlan Globetrotters, and then dunk like Michael Jordan. What's interesting is you never actually see him take an outside shot, though. Eh, different era, right? But before all of that, we get some inspirational words from the greatest coach ever as he eats a hard-boiled egg. And Styles is in the crowd wearing a drunken state Florida shirt.
4: <laughs> I look at it this way, guys. It'll all be over in less than an hour. Any strategy against Meacham, coach? Hey, you guys are great. you got nothing to be ashamed of. I'm <laughs> uh, out there good give them help. Go. Come on, get me some salt.
0: Salt. So the stunt double that Michael J. Fox had uh, when he was turned into the wolf and playing basketball had a hell of a time trying to play basketball with all the wolf makeup. And in one scene, he had so much sweat built up in his foam rubber mask that he was accidentally elbowed in one shot, and the mask exploded from the buildup of sweat. So there were actually two wolf suits, one for Michael J. Fox and then one for the double because there were different sizes. The stunt double was actually a real basketball player and much more active in the suit, as you can imagine. So Jeff Glosser was a sophomore player at Loyola Marymount at the time. He was a bit taller than Michael J. Fox. He was actually five foot seven. Fox loved hockey. He just wasn't a basketball player at all. And Fox was happy to have Glosser because it meant less time in the suit for him. Glosser would create his own scenes and basketball plays. And he did all of the basketball scenes in three days. And he also helped teach the other guys how to play. So the referee in all these games was Richard Baker, who was the basketball stunt coordinator. And he was a scout for the Dallas Mavericks. And as much as he tried to teach you guys plays and the art of the game, it just didn't work out as well as Baker had hoped. As my dad probably could have told you from watching this film. (laughs) So I forgot to mention, two of the guys on the basketball team for the Beavers were 80s teen stalwarts. One guy was one of the popular guys in Can't Buy Me Love, his name's Court McCown, and the other guy is Doug Savant, who ended up being on the TV show Melrose Place. In any case, the Beavers are now a powerhouse team because of the Wolf, and Scott becomes an overnight celebrity. It's funny how nobody is afraid of Scott. He's like, it's totally normal. (laughs) And now, magically, Pamela is now interested in Scott now that he's popular, and then we get a typical 80s fun montage of Scott as the Wolf doing his thing around campus. However, like a typical teenager, Scott is letting his newfound fame go to his furry head. He's a ball hog on the court, which now the team resents. Boof and Lewis aren't amused about the new Scott either, which leads to these words of wisdom from Coach Finstock.
3: I get Coach.
4: What's that problem? Let me give you a little advice. There's three rules that I live by. Never get less than 12 hours sleep. Never play cards with a guy who's got the same first name as a city. And never go near a lady who's got a tattoo of a dagger on her body. Now you stick with that. Everything else is cream cheese. Great game there, Scotty.
0: Thanks, coach. <laughs> he is the best, and he's totally correct, by the way. Well, because of the wolf, Scott gets to be the lead in the school play with Pamela. And he even gets to hook up with her. Lori Griffin looked very nice in her brawn pandies, panties, much the delight of all the teenagers walk- watching this film back in the day. We know he had a good time, as we can hear a wolf howl in the background. So things aren't all peachy keen, as Mick isn't thrilled with his girlfriend now seeing Scott. At the bowling alley, he lets Scott know how he feels.
3: Okay. Did you know he was gonna be here? We had such a nice day to get a Dust Okay. Got it. Nice, good, okay. Good form. Nice approach. Boy, that was nice warm. Okay. Dress the ball. Okay. Tuck in your tummy. That's good. Okay, Here we go. You ready? Okay. Hey, hey, That's my girl. I'll touch her again. She's my day tonight, pal. You don't scare me, freak. Underneath all that hair, you're still a dork, Scott. I've handled your kind before. Your mama used to steal chickens out of the backyard until I blew her head off with a shotgun. It's good.
0: So what's interesting is we never do find out how Scott's mom died. Obviously, it wasn't from Mick's shooting her, but it's never explained nonetheless. Scott also finds out that even though he got to bang Pamela, it's nothing but a fling to her and she's still going to go to the dance with Mick. Gotta learn the hard way, Scotty. Styles then shows up after another blowout victory for the Beavers with a new van he's painted called the Wolfmobile. Scott then decides to go urban surfing while Stiles is driving, and they drive by Scott's dad's hardware store. Scott does a handstand, which is quite impressive to the town. The stunts are awesome, and they're actually doing backflips as well. And Howard, as you can imagine, is less than thrilled and decides to have a heart-to-heart talk with Scott. So Howard explains that most of Scott's issues are kind of his own doing, but not with the vice principal, Thorne. Thorne was in love with Scott's mom when they were teenagers, and Howard turned into the wolf and made Thorne piss himself. (laughs) So this is why Thorne is on Scott's case, and Howard pleads with Scott to get control of his life. Scott wants to go to the dance with Boo, but she'll only go with Scott, not the wolf. But Scott believes that the wolf has to make an appearance, and she isn't impressed because she's always liked the real Scott. However, even though he's going to go as the wolf, she'll still be his date of sorts. Then we get a great scene where the entire dance decides to do a wolf dance in unison to the song Big Bag Wolf from Bunny and the Wolf Sisters, which I did play on our favorite 80s movie songs, Volume 4. Check it out. It's also a great scene of 80s cheese. I love it. However, the underrated track is when Scott turns back to a human and dances with Boof, and we hear Flesh on Fire from James House. This is until Scott gets punched out by Mick for his fling with Pamela. Scott then gets pissed off and rips Mick's shirt, but holds back, literally tearing him apart.
3: Stay away from Pamela. She's mine. Stick with your own kind, freak. Like that little tramp.
1: Oh, oh! What
2: are you all laughing at? You're just some kind of animal. Face me up your head. Come on, freak. Get back here. Let go of me. Let's go! Get back here! Right get back here! Come on, freak! I'm not through with you yet! Come back here, freak! This isn't done by a long shot! Get back in here, freak!
0: Because of Scott's outburst, Thorne seizes on the opportunity to punish Scott. However, Howard actually saves the day and scares Thorne yet again. and <laughs> Thorne ruins another pair of his pants. Because of the dance debacle... Scott decides the wolf persona is out of control, and he's going back to just being Scott. This also means not being the wolf for the big game. And this is where we get the full 80s teen movie cliche that happens. Highlight montage and all, meaning the team can win even without the wolf, right? Of course, because it's the 80s. In any case, the basketball scenes aren't anything to write home about, but I still loved it as a kid. And today, it's still enjoyable for what it is. But really, Michael J. Fox is just laughable as a basketball player. Also, Mick would have been thrown out of the game for all of his flagrant fouls on Scott. So there has long been rumored that at the very end of the movie, there is supposedly a guy in the stands with his dick out of his pants, and then all of a sudden he realizes it and then zips up quickly. This is where everyone is cheering in slow motion, and it's right behind Michael J. Fox hugging his dad and Booth. However, because of the new 2K version from Shout Factory, you can see the full frame of the other person, and, and as it turns out, it's not a man at all. It's a woman. <laughs> so yes, the pants are unbuttoned from this woman, but you're not seeing a penis. <laughs> Just the flap of a shirt from the woman. I like the rumor so much better. The urban legend's always better. All right, some quick fun facts. John Hughes actually loved the film, according to the writers of Teen Wolf. The beaver mascot logo used in the film was actually from Oregon State University, and it was being used by the Oregon Beavers, Oregon State Beavers, at the time. Uh, Michael J. Fox actually disliked this film so much that he refused to return for the sequel. And at an interview at the time, while Back to the Future was in production, he lamented, Steven Spielberg's down the street making great movies, and I'm playing a werewolf. Well, that's too bad because I love Teen Wolf. And we have other people that love Teen Wolf as well. We have the return of Bill Roseberry and also Eric Sinzak. And they share their thoughts on this film. And then we will be back next week for yet another random movie from my DVD collection. All right, we're back with Bill Roseberry. Welcome back, Bill. How's it going, man? Glad, I'm glad go- to be back. Absolutely. And, and this is going to be a fun one to do. Uh, and it's the original Teen Wolf from 1985. I mean, eventually there was a sequel and there was a, a, a television program that I think came out in the, you know, the 2011 or something like that, 2012. But uh, we're going to talk about the original with Michael J. Fox. And uh, this will be fun because there is sports in this film and, and you're you're a sports writer and you're a sports lover and you love basketball. But first, we'll talk about when did you first see this movie? Was it in a the theater or what, did you see it on home video or cable?
5: I saw it on home video. Uh, I watched it with my parents, and I'd say it was pretty much right after it came out. Mm -hmm. So I watched it uh, when it was pretty new. I mean, at that stage in my life, I was nine years old when it came out. I mean, Mm -hmm. Michael J. Fox was, I was watching anything and everything that happened. Oh yeah, He was at the top of the world at that point, because he did uh, Back to the Future that same year in
0: 85. That's right. And uh, Family Ties. Family right, he issues. was
5: doing that too. Yeah, and I watched that religiously when I was growing up too. Yeah, so.
0: 1985 was the year of Michael J. Fox. I mean, we—I remember being in elementary school, and they were to our mascot actually was a fox, and they wanted us to name the mascot, and everybody picked Michael J. Fox, and they wouldn't do it. I don't know if it was a copyright issue or something like that. And uh, yeah, that's how big he was. He was in the you know the DNA of American culture at that point.
5: Yeah, and I mean he was. There was just something about him. He was so cool. You know, I think yeah. maybe it was the underdog thing and him being so small and you know, I I don't know. It just there was just something about him that everybody gravitated towards him.
0: Yeah, he just kinda had that infectious personality. He seemed like he would be everyone's buddy, but he was cool at the same time. It just he had that, that knack and that charm and it really you felt it when you saw him on, on screen.
5: Right. And it's it's funny because Scott and Teen Wolf was different than Marty in Back to the Future. Marty was was cool man, and 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 you know stood up to people, and you know was confident. And Scott was Scott, the character for Scott and Teen Wolf was not. You know he was more timid, didn't have a lot of confidence in himself, and you know scared to talk to girls. And yeah, so it was it was totally different roles between back to the future and teen wolf too
0: yeah that's a great point because yeah in back to the future he's got a hot girlfriend and everything and teen wolf you know the girl that that really likes him he he just thinks of her as a friend he doesn't even see her at all which is unfortunate because she's go- boof is gorgeous but he's looking for pamela that's that's just kind of that typical trope at the time
5: all right and and to be honest i was thinking about this when i was watching it uh i think boof's hotter than pamela i agree Pamela I agree, just but, had more of a kind of, like, sl- slutty vibe to her, I guess, a little bit. But also, it was, you know, the thing that she wasn't quite... She wasn't attainable. Boof was right. always there, you know? I think that's... A lot of people are like that, and you don't even realize what you got right in front of you.
0: Especially when you're younger, and... Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're not... Yeah, but Booth's personality's great. She's just somebody you'd want to hang out with. I mean, she's a very... She's a great character, I think.
5: Yeah, oh, she was in... in um, you know, it was interesting because here he wants this other girl and she doesn't want him mm-hmm. until he's the wolf. You know, that's she doesn't right. even like Scott and Boof mm-hmm. doesn't want the wolf around. She likes him for him, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what yeah. we should all want is somebody that likes us for being us. You know,
0: that's right. That's kind of like the old uh, the fame, you know, well who are your friends before you were famous? You know, those are the ones you want to keep. Right, right uh so let's get right into the basketball i mean obviously there's gonna be more stuff about this movie but i want to hit the basketball first so when i was growing up my dad would just laugh at the at the basketball playing in this you know they won't they don't go to their left they won't you know they won't do this they won't do that how did you feel about the basketball scenes then and now it was bad
5: (laughs) i mean (laughs) it it (laughs) it doesn't look very realistic And the the fact that you know early on and you see them and they can't do anything and then at the the championship game, all of a sudden they're just, you know, running all over the place, running offense. And now all of a sudden Scott can drive to the hole and reverse (laughs) layups, but he couldn't do any of that before. And, you know, Chubby's hook shot was probably (laughs) the most horrible thing I've ever seen.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That thing would have ended up in the rafters.
5: (laughs) Yes. That was terrible. And I mean, that's part of what makes it funny too. Sure, And then, coach, coach Finstock is probably the worst coach I've ever seen. I, you know, I, you do see, uh, uh, high school coaches that, I mean, not to that extreme, but we had uh, locally here, we had a tennis coach one time. It was a, a girl's tennis coach at a small school and they were playing across town rivals. So I sent one of my, uh, one of my riders out to cover it and a photographer. I was like, we don't really cover these, but I try and give everybody some love, you know, and spread it around. So all Mm -hmm. the kids get a little bit of, you know, get a little bit of exposure. Sure. And this coach was mad that she had to stay after the game and and do an interview with the newspaper reporter. She said she had things to do. She's (laughs) like, let's make it quick because I got to, I got things to do and was like aggravated about it. And I'm like, now I understand why your program sucks. (laughs) <laughs> and why nobody why nobody ever goes and covers it. We're trying to give you a little bit of exposure for you and your kids and you are you're mad about it because you gotta do a little bit extra. Right. You know? but, well that uh,
0: that's why Coach Finstock's so great. It's great for the movie, you know, because his lines are priceless because he just he's just uh, I, I have a job, I, I really don't care. Uh, I don't think he's a mean spirited guy, but he's just no. he's really, really funny for the movie. And Jay Tarsus, who plays that character, is great.
5: Yeah, so uh, I liked the like the part there in that, that first game right at the beginning where where he goes over to the other coach and he goes and and he they're kind of talking and you see that other coach look at him he goes you want to forfeit the game he's <laughs> yeah. like no we're not he's like well I just thought if we quit you know if we quit now you could beat the five o'clock traffic
0: that's right <laughs> but all right
5: I guess we'll play then I mean it's like what. What in the world, you know, my one of my favorite lines from him is when he's talking to Scott in the locker room. Yeah, he says this is one of the things I wrote down. He says there are three, three rules I live by. Never get less than 12 hours of sleep. <laughs> never play cards with a guy who's got the same name as a city. Right. And never go near a lady who's got a tattoo of a dagger on her body. You <laughs> stick to that. And everything else is cream cheese.
0: That's right. And, and if anybody remembers things, they remember those those lines. Yeah, and and like the little meeting in the beginning of the film where he's when he's talking to him and he's eating Kentucky fried chicken in his office, right? And and Scott's trying to you know explain to him like, yeah, I'm going through these changes and whatever, and he tries to give this heartfelt story, and the punchline is, yeah, well, what happened to the kid? I oh, was a third stringer. I didn't need him.
5: <laughs> right, know? right. I know he he's just a. <laughs> I mean, he's a terrible coach. I mean, I I think we all at some point growing up or around had somebody who wasn't a very good coach that was in that position. But, I mean, yeah, he's just to the extreme.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And actually, that uh, to me, that's as I grew up, and I, I, you know, when I was growing up, and I first saw it, uh, yeah, Marty, uh, not Marty <laughs> Scott, Michael J. Fox was, uh, it was the the draw, and the and the wolf, and the changing everything. But as I got older, it was the side characters like Coach Finstock that really made this movie uh, really really good.
5: Oh, absolutely, and in Styles too, and, and oh, Chubby. Yes. Chubby doesn't have a big role. You know, I mentioned Chubby too. I said, uh, uh, you know talk about Michael J. Fox being in Teen Wolf and Back to the Future. You know, the guy who played Chubby had two two movies that year too. He uh he was in Teen Wolf and he was in Pee-wee's Big Adventure.
0: True. That's good knowledge. Good job. Yeah. yeah.
5: And and later on he was in uh A League of Their Own too. He played um all oh, the annoying little kid when he was When he grew up. up. That's yeah. right. That's that's a good one. Anything. Can't remember the kid's name now, but yeah, I, I always liked Chubby too. And I was—I wrote this down too. Chubby was number fifty-five, and I think they kind of dropped the ball there. Don't you think he should have been double zero?
0: I agree, absolutely. And and yes, he looked like he was pushing thirty-five too. You know, right, like, yeah, right. <laughs> he's
5: eating sandwiches while he's going down the court.
0: Oh yeah, it's great. Like that—that stuffs—that stuff's funny. Going back one point about the basketball that stuff that also used to crack me up, even at at a young age. Uh Michael J Fox would would do jump jump shots during his free throws.
5: Right, right. I know yeah. it was horrible. It did not it did not look realistic at all as far as the basketball goes. And, you know, the montages are cheesy too uh, sometimes. I mean, it's it's the 80s. I mean, a lot of stuff just was kind of cheesy, you know, throughout that entire decade, but
0: That's I still fun. love
5: this movie. Right, I still love this movie. It's fun. But I mean, you could look at it and and poke holes in it from like you said that the realistic of the basketball, you know, the basketball team doesn't look realistic at all. And, no. uh, you know, and, and some of the other stuff, but it's still a fun movie. One of the things that I wanted to talk to you about. Sure. This was something that we did when we were kids, not me personally, but styles with the uh, car surfing. I had a buddy growing up and it all <laughs> stems from that movie. We we grew up out in the country and. uh he would go car surfing. He would pull, he'd pull over when we'd get out on the country roads and he would get up on people's cars and he Uh would literally car surf like that. Uh And, uh, one time my buddy Brian's, uh, my buddy Brian was driving him and my buddy Todd was in the car with him. And Justin says, pull over. I want to get out and I want to car surf. (laughs) So he gets, Brian had this big giant Bonneville and Justin gets on top of the the roof and he's car surfing, driving down this country road and Brian's freaking out. He's like, Jay, Jay, get down, get down. <laughs> he's like, I don't like this. And Justin's like, just go Brian, just drive. And he's like, no, don't! No, I, I don't want to stop this. And he slammed on his brakes. Oh no. <laughs> Justin, you know, goes, you know, he, 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 goes head first off the top of the car, rolls down the windshield, across the hood of the car and lands in the middle of the road and he's just laying there i mean is it hurt you know and right and brian brian starts crying he's like oh my god i killed him i killed jay and todd's like what is wrong with you why would you do that And justin he's he's kind of laying there and he just gets up and he's like what the hell man he's like what is wrong with you why would you slam on the brakes and not tell me and he got all <laughs> scraped up and I don't think he really car surfed after that. I know he never. Oh, car good.
0: <laughs> with, I don't. I know he never car surfed with Brian again. Oh my god! Yeah, but well, that's the thing. They uh, it, they kind of um, Styles does fall down a little bit, but I, yeah, I don't. This is almost like a precursor to Jackass and things like that. I'm so. I think they might have had like worries that maybe people would start doing this. So, did you guys do this because of the movie, or was this already in your in your makeup?
5: No, I mean, well, hell, the. Uh, Justin was a year younger than me, so he was eight when this came out. It was just basically, yeah, it was from that movie. I mean, that's the only yeah. place we'd ever seen it. You know, yeah. was in Teen Wolf. So when we got to be teenagers, you know, he thought it would be cool to go car surfing. There you go. So, yeah, See? We, we would power do that movie. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Good. So <laughs> so uh, yeah, we're lucky he didn't break an arm or really hurt himself because of Teen Wolf.
0: Yeah, you you can laugh about it now cuz he's okay, but yeah, that could have been really tragic if they didn't if it didn't go right.
5: Yeah, and I mean, I remember he 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 wasn't scared to do anything. He was crazy. Like I see him now and we laugh about it and he's like I said, "Dude, I didn't think you'd make it to 40, man. I thought you'd been <laughs> dead a long time ago with some of the stupid shit you did." And he was like, "I know, man. I think back on it now and I don't know what i was thinking but the guys that would be nervous it was never him like mm-hmm. he didn't care about car surfing but uh the guy that, the whoever was driving the car was like you know really nervous about it you know
0: sure cuz the, so, the the other guys fate is in the driver's hands
5: <laughs> right right but he didn't look at it like that he didn't right. care just mm-hmm.
0: nothing scared this guy he's ah, insane it's one huh? of those everyone's got one of those buddies right all right. So it, it, going back to so what are the other things uh, rewatching it that stuck out and, you know, that, that stood out for you? And, and what are your, some of your favorite scenes?
5: I think the 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 story of it kind of sticks out with me and you know the fact that I think we were all that way. You know, you want to be aspire to to stand out and make everybody like you and be popular and everything. And that's all Scott really wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, and then once he got it, it started to go to his head. He started to change. And then he he realized, you know, that may, they, maybe there is more to life than that. Sometimes, you know, it's just the simple things, you know. And that's like one of my favorite parts is at the end when Pamela tries to go out. Now that he actually won the game as Scott right. and not the wolf, she wants to go out there to him, you know, and he just completely just like look straight through her and go straight to boof and start making out with her and that's how it ends and it was like you know it was like he finally he finally gets it you know Mm -hmm. and um but it it was kind of watching him kind of evolve as a is a character you know i mean that was that was always real interesting to me and i liked his um I liked his dad, too. I mean, I I can't remember the guy's name, but he's a great actor. You know, he was in Sling Blade and been in a a lot of things. James James Hampton, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I liked, uh, you know, him talking about, you know, how to control the, you know, the werewolf in him. And you got to not let the anger overtake you and things like that. I mean, they they had a nice relationship between the the father son there, too.
0: That's true, and and it was almost reminiscent of Vision Quest because uh, uh, Matthew Modine had a single father uh, that was raising him, and it's the same type of thing. And and you might remember James James Hampton from the original Longest Yard because he plays caretaker. That's right. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. yeah. Point. He was caretaker. Yeah. Yeah. Really, good really good actor. But yeah, the the scene that I think at first that everyone said made the crowd go nuts during the initial release was when Scott originally changes in the bathroom and then, you know, his dad's knocking on the door and you just yeah. don't know what the reaction's going to be. And nobody was expecting the dad to also turn into a wolf as well.
5: No. Yeah. No, uh, neither was I. I mean, and I forgot that that, what
0: rewatching
5: it i forgot that you learned that so early in the movie
0: that's right you and know, he never turns into a wolf again you know that's the thing well yeah because
5: he learned to uh he learned to control it you that's know right. and and i think eventually scott scott does too you know so
0: <laughs> yeah it's interesting cuz it's almost a metaphor for growing up you know the changes of becoming uh you know uh, an adult you know they're going through Absolutely. all those changes and i think that's what the werewolf uh, Tail was always kind of about you know, especially the teenage werewolf stuff.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and um, uh, one of my other favorite scenes is when they were getting the keg. You know when yeah. and uh, you know the Styles goes in. Boy, I mean, and Styles was. It's funny because you always knew people like that too. He's sure. almost like completely fake. Like you don't even really know who Styles is, really. You know because he's always on. You know. You know, he never turns it off. You know, no. Styles is a character, and that's right. You know, uh, but uh, he goes in, he tries to get the keg, and he can't get it. And then when when Scott goes in, and the old man starts to go off on him, and his eyes turn red, and he's like, "Give me a keg <laughs> of beer." You know, <laughs> it's like right as he's starting to become the wolf, and that was that was pretty awesome too. And then they got the keg and went to the party. I loved it when they got to the party and they were like. 15 kegs sitting in the corner too. <laughs> Just go throw it in the corner.
0: Yeah. yeah. What, what, what we don't use, take it home. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. The other the other great part about that line with, with Michael J. Fox is after he says, give me a keg of beer, he does it slowly and his eyes from red. And then he pauses, he says, and these. And he's holding like a bag of like mini donuts or something.
5: Right, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, it's that type of movie that like I think it's for everyone. And especially as a kid. Uh, it was pretty harmless. I mean, that was, uh, you know, the the language wasn't bad. And it was, you know, of the time. And uh, they just, again, I say this so often because it is damn good movie memories. The, these type of movies that are just kind of frivolous and fun, they just stop making. They they just don't do them anymore.
5: Right. You're absolutely right. And uh, uh, the 80s had tons of that kind of stuff. And, and yeah. Michael J. Fox was perfect for those types
0: of movies. He was. He was. Absolutely. One well, of my
5: oh, favorite. I was just going to say one of my favorite Michael J. Fox movies that I probably my favorite. Well, I'd say Back to the Future probably was my favorite out of them. But uh, The Secret of My Success.
0: Yes, that's a great oh, one. Oh, I
5: love that movie. Absolutely yes. love it. I have that upstairs in my collection
0: as well. Well, I know who we're going to be having on for that one. So <laughs> that's good.
5: <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: that's that's underrated.
5: Yep, yeah, great movie. I mean, he just did a lot of good stuff back in that time
0: frame. So He really did. He really did. Thanks again, Bill. No problem. All right. We are back with Eric Sinzak. Welcome back. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. You're on whenever you were always almost like on call. It's like, you know, literally on call for these movies. Yeah. This I, is great. I, I feel like I'm at your
2: disposal. It's, that sounds great. I'll be at uh, I'll be at Brian Davis's disposal. How about? I
0: that? like it. I like it. So you can on a dime, just like our our the character in 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 this movie, you can change on a dime and, and just get into whatever movie I ask you about. And in this case, I'm going to yeah. ask you about the 1985 classic. Dare I say, classic Teen Wolf? And so yeah. I, I have to ask. Did you see, Yeah. I think so. I I, I don't know if. Michael J. Fox feels that way, but uh <laughs> I I definitely loved it as a kid and it was one of my favorites. I mean, I loved him, of course, from Family Ties. Did you obviously saw Back to the Future first and and then Teen Wolf?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I I think I did. Uh and then Teen Wolf I I think I saw Teen Wolf on VHS about a million times.
0: Yeah, this one yeah. is is super fun. I, I don't think Michael J. Fox never talks about it, which is unfortunate, but I think um uh, it's a really fun movie. Of course there's holes in it and it's, you know, obviously it's a silly comedy, uh, but how many, you know, kind of, you know, those, those monster kind of movies were made comedies of not many, especially not many werewolf ones.
2: Yeah. I can only think of this and maybe monster squad, (laughs) Yeah, which is
0: another great one. There's an underrated one,
2: but uh, this one actually is very fun. Uh, I loved it. Uh, I watched it over and over again. I think, uh, you know, it, it's got a yeah, you know, like you said, it's got a lot of holes in it, but at the same time, you don't really care you're you're watching it just for the for the goof, you know it's it's just kind of silly, but um i i I think he did a great job in it, and there's all the, you know all the little funny things that go on during the movie that you're enjoying rather than the story.
0: Sure, sure. And that's the thing. That was the the brilliance of Michael J. Fox, who was enormously popular in the mid 80s. I think people forget uh, what a superstar he really was because, uh, look, he had one of the biggest TV shows at one point and, and he was in one of the biggest movies. I think uh, Back to the Future and Team Wolf were one and two at the box office at one point.
2: Yeah, he's uh, he was wrecking in the dope.
0: Oh, absolutely, and he deserved. It. I mean, he was just a genuinely likable actor, and uh, he was in movies that are just beloved. And uh, it's interesting because this movie, I, I of course love him in it, but it's some of the side characters that really kind of resonated with me. I don't know how about how about you, uh, Styles? I love
2: Styles. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh Lewis was a underrated character. Um, yeah. And- and I thought i I was- you know during the movie, you really hate it that booth keeps getting you know pushed to the side, yes. of course, but uh you know everything works out in the end but um you know it, but of course, Styles is Wolfmobile, everybody wanted to drive one of those, of course <laughs> exactly. uh, and uh what what was the, you know the jerk's name Rick no, his name eh, was eh. Rick. Mick. Mick. I knew yeah. it was something like
0: that. You were close. Yeah. it was an Ick. Everybody yes. wanted.
2: It was Ick. Yeah, Ick somewhere <laughs> there. Ick. Yeah, Mick. Yeah, everybody wanted to punch out Mick.
0: So, That's right. Yeah. But he played. But yeah. we were talking about this earlier, and I think it was the the summer rental uh, uh, movie that you need a great villain, and and he plays it well. So obviously, the actor that played Mick played it well enough to where you truly hated the guy.
2: Yeah, he did a good job Uh for a young actor for a for a you know a kid. Probably he was probably twenty playing seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, he uh, looked he, like
0: yeah, he like almost had like a full on beard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah.
2: it's like uh it's it's five. Go shave. You got to have more scenes to do. You know, <laughs> <Right>. it's probably <laughs>
0: God, he was the real team the there. Yeah. Well that's like Chubby who was on, you know, uh, you know, the side of, of Michael J. Fox's team. He was probably close to he looked like he was in his almost in his thirties.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Chubby looked yeah, Chubby was probably much older than the other guys that were on that were on there.
0: Uh so Well even Styles, I think, was in his his mid to late twenties. Yeah,
2: I think Styles was playing other roles after he uh, was leaving after he did that movie. I think he went on to play other, uh, other in, in other films. Yeah, I've seen. I saw him in other movies right after he did that, and I don't even know what. Uh, I can't remember his act. The actor's name. He's been in other stuff, but I can't remember his name.
0: His name's uh, Jerry Levine.
2: Jerry Levine. Thank you. You know, I looked that up before, and I can't. It just won't <laughs> stick with me.
0: Well, that's all right. Uh, dirty little secret to all the people listening: we record a lot of these at once, so it's tough. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, so going back to the movie, yeah, definitely Styles. I love that he always wore the different T-shirts, <laughs> the different random sayings. Oh yeah, what are you looking at, Dick Nose? That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. That's that was, that was my favorite one. Oh yeah, those were great. I mean, it was almost. I've like... actually,
2: yeah, I've actually thought about going to find that shirt. I actually wanted. I actually wanted to get that.
0: You should. I mean, that would be that would be amazing. They're almost like kind of in that movie Step Brothers, where they're um, uh, they're always wearing different like kind of crazy shirts at the time. It's it's similar to, to that in a way.
2: Yeah, yeah. They, I lo- was well. He's of course, uh, he was wearing the Crystal Gale shirt, and that's uh, right. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, or was that uh, Talladega Nights? That was Talladega yeah, Nights.
0: It may have been Tell Nights, yeah. Yeah, that's a, yeah. The other great character in this this movie that was always my favorite, especially as a kid, was the coach, uh, Coach Finstock. Some of those lines that he <laughs> says are just priceless.
2: Oh yeah. Uh he's he's he was a trip because he just like the apathy was non existent. I mean, it was just oh. so thick with him, like, okay. Whatever. Yes. Yeah. Just, he...
0: <laughs> <laughs> like when Michael J. Fox goes in to quit. You know, he was going to quit the team and you think he's going to give him a pep talk or something like that. And he basically comes to this, like, you know, backhanded compliment type of thing, you know, (laughs) or like, you know, he tells him this heartfelt story about this this kid with the mom. And he's like, I didn't need him. He was a third stringer. (laughs) He's talking about, yeah, Yeah, I didn't
2: need him. It's like the coach you never wanted. It's like, yeah, okay, thanks. Yeah. But he plays
0: it perfectly because all of us have had coaches like that.
2: Yeah, we actually, uh, I remember in high school, there was a couple of, we had a couple of coaches in our high school that were pretty much, you could tell they were toasting. They weren't, uh, yeah, they weren't there. They were just drawing pay. That was about it. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. And like, you know, he's eating uh, hard boiled eggs on the bench while the game's going on. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's just there's little scenes like that in Teen Wolf or if you've seen it a bunch they they really stick out for you they're they're kind of priceless. But yeah, going back into some of the characters, I you know, I think BooF is totally underrated for an 80s uh character. She's super super cute and uh yeah, you're just killing yourself that Michael J Fox isn't seeing it. But that's kind of a trope of 80s teen teen movies.
2: Yeah, and you know that he's going to come back around to her. It's almost like the girl you got to He's got to wind up with, it's like, you know, it's predictable storyline, but sure. it's going to happen. Um, uh, but yeah, she, is. she's like, you know, she's a cute girl that he just doesn't, he's like always thinks of her as a friend, right? but, uh, it's going to, you know, it's, it's one of those things you're like, Oh, well, he's going to wind up with her. <laughs> you can see that coming like a truck, but this is, this movie's not written for, you know, uh. Older folks are grown ups. This is movies written for teenagers. This is movies written for you know younger people to go see. So Absolutely. they're not jaded. They're not jaded about the storyline stuff. Like, yeah. You know. Uh, no,
0: that's a great point. I mean, it's almost very much like some kind of wonderful. You know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you watch that now, you like you're like, yeah.
0: You but, can see it coming. You know, yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't yeah, matter.
2: <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. That uh, if you watched it when you were sixteen, you're like, "Oh my god, this is the coolest movie I've ever made." You know, like, right? That, you know that. Yeah, but it it doesn't it has the same impact on you when you're sixteen as it does when you're thirty. So right.
0: it's getting into other things like kind of holes in the movie. How did you feel about the basketball playing in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: um, it's it's well, it's. Yeah. Comical, but... uh <laughs> that's a good way to put it. <laughs> uh, I guess it's sort of a lot like... Um, I don't know, Flubber. Uh, oh, that's a great one. That's a great
0: call. Yeah. But, you no, know, not as bad. Well... Not I mean, as bad it's, as Flubber. The original absent-minded professor is terrible when it comes to basketball scenes.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's not that bad. But, <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I think it's funny when the when he's the wolf. I mean, it, it's a little more, you know, enjoyable to watch... You can, you can play off really silly basketball when he's wearing the costume. Sure. You know, and he's wearing the costume. It's like, okay, now you can just be ridiculous. Do whatever you want. I don't really care. He's wearing the costume. Make all the crazy basketball stuff you want to do. all the crazy basketball stuff you want to do. When they're actually pretending to try to play basketball for real. <laughs> like, yeah.
0: This is dumb. <laughs> what <laughs> well, are you so- doing? It was so funny cuz my dad he, I wouldn't say he ruined it for me but he, my dad was a big sports fan he still is and he'd watch he's like this guy all they do is they go to the right he should be shooting with his left hand I'm like dad it's the it doesn't matter <laughs> you know it's it's okay it's, it's fake it's yeah. it's a movie it's fake yeah you know Michael J. Fox is, is jump shooting his free throws you know cuz he, he's so tiny <laughs> so you know there's just little yeah, things yeah. like that but they actually got, I mean, the guy in the wolf suit was an actual college ball player. So he was going, I forgot what college it was, but he was actually going, uh, he was playing college ball at the time.
2: Well, he he did a hell of a job because,
0: I mean. He, oh, that's he's, that can't be comfortable.
2: No, I couldn't imagine just walking around, let alone doing all the acrobatic crap that he was doing. So
0: Exactly. that was pretty amazing. And then you know, and then the stunt guys doing like you know when when they're doing the uh, car surfing or the van surfing, you know, he's doing like flips and handstands on a moving vehicle, and that definitely looked real. Yeah, I don't know
2: how they pulled that. I mean that that particular, it's I know it's dangerous, and I know he's probably harnessed, but sure. Uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, I, <laughs> I have to say that was a, a very impressive. So. And I know, I noticed that it's not done very much. It's only done in a couple of scenes. So, you know, I know just a standing is one thing, but he only, I think he only does a handstand for just a couple of seconds.
0: So, yeah. And that's all you need for movie magic, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I imagine
2: that they probably said, all right, so we're just going to do this once. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's not easy to do. No,
0: absolutely not. Absolutely not. But it was also interesting because you think about nowadays where, you know, all this, the jackass stuff, you know, people are doing crazy stunts. And it's like you almost have to worry about when kids start trying to do this, you know, quote unquote, urban surfing, you know?
2: Right. Yeah. They probably would get some shit over that these yeah. days. So. I know.
0: Cause everyone would post themselves on social media. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
2: If it was a, if it was a big movie nowadays, everybody would be messing around and doing some that's, shit. So. That's right. That's right. Yeah.
0: So what are some of your other favorite scenes from this? And and how often do you revisit this movie now?
2: Oh God, I, I haven't watched it in a long time. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I like it. I think, I think we watched it. Uh, my kids hadn't seen it and I think probably we watched it maybe a year ago. Uh, it was on, uh, I caught it on Amazon and, uh, the kids hadn't seen it. So we watched it, mm-hmm. but, uh, my favorite scenes from this, um, probably where he first changes, he's dead. No, what's going on. And he's like, you know, he's in the bathroom and he's freaking out and his, <laughs> he opens the door. And his dad is, is changed. Oh, that's a great like, Yeah. He goes, I think there's something we need to
0: talk about. <laughs> yeah, exactly i guess in the theater because i i did uh listen kind of the special features the directors were saying that got the biggest roar because nobody was expecting it at the time you didn't know what was going to happen
2: right it was it was i think i could see that being a big deal because you know he's thinking oh well it's just him you know and then oh wait it's his dad too he's like well wait
0: yeah and I, I loved uh, James Hampton, who plays uh, Michael J. Fox's dad. And I think he, he plays it real well, you know, playing a single dad. And uh, and then kind of that, you know, you had the other villain, which was the vice principal. And he played that role great, too, because he was really you really didn't like him as well.
2: Yeah, he was. <laughs> that was really funny I, when he. Yeah, the, all the when he growls at him, when he gets up close to him and growls at
0: him. Yeah. <laughs> he Soils himself. Loses, yes.
2: Yeah, bees himself. Yeah, I love I love those scenes. It was pretty great.
0: Yeah, yeah. Dell Dou- uh, okay. As, as we wrap this up, did you ever see the sequel Teen we- Teen Wolf Two T O O with uh, Jason Bateman? Um, I'm gonna plead the fifth.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I don't think I. I think I might have, but I think I blocked it from memory. Oh, uh, good move. I, I. Yeah, I think I watched it, and I think I've uh, quickly forgotten it.
0: <laughs> it definitely is a forgettable movie. Um he Jason Bateman plays Michael J Fox's cousin and he's in college and he becomes a boxer instead of a a, a basketball player and it is pretty awful. Yeah. Oh god. Yep. So yeah. usually I say go check out things. I don't check that out. It's not worth it. No. No.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think I started watching it. And I got a part way into it and I said, you know, I don't think I'm going to do this.
0: And right. I just turned it off. <laughs> there aren't many 80s movies that I'm like that with too, but I was with you. Like, I, this is, I'm like, oh, this is bad.
2: Yeah. I, I think I remember seeing just a little bit of it and I said, this is, you know, this ain't going to happen. No. And I just turned it off.
0: <laughs> well, Teen Wolf, the original from 85, isn't bad at all. We, I, I think we both recommend uh, checking it out if you want some just fun 80s, you know kind of a, kind of a, you know, feel good. I wouldn't call it feel good, but it's just a turn off your brain, have fun type of movie.
2: Yeah, it's silly. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it ain't uh, Shakespeare, but it's no. fun.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and if you like monsters, I love monster movies. So it was kind of fun to have a comedy.
2: Sure. And it's to the kids can watch. It's not,
0: it's not bad. So No, it's not offensive at all. No. So as always, thank you so much, Eric.
2: Thanks a lot, Brian,
0: and had a good time. Hey, this is Brian Davis, and you might know me from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. And now, get ready for the Bad Beat Show on ThatMetalStation.com from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern every Wednesday night. I'm going to play some kick-ass hard rock inspired by the blues because, after all, the foundation of all things rock and metal is... Of course, the Blues. So join me every Wednesday night for the Bad Beat, because even when you lose, you still win.
1: there ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only the original Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com
2: and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs>